Hello and welcome to this episode of the Club Soda podcast. I'm Laura Willoughby, I'm the co-founder of Club Soda and this week we're focusing on beer and how to taste it and pair it with your meal. Now I talk a lot about alcohol-free beer but it may interest you to know that I never drank it at all when I was a drinker so I've only ever really known um, beer as an alcohol-free drink which always fascinates me and probably scares people in the beer industry terribly but anyway... But for me, it's become a really important drink in my diet because next to water, it's the healthiest thing you can drink in the pub and also something you can find a lot more regularly in all sorts of places than you can some of the spirits and wines and so on. Although, obviously, we do hope that's going to change. In this episode, I interview Steve Livins from the British Beer and Pub Association. He is a beer sommelier and also has helped Club Soda with our research into improving the availability of low and no alcohol beer. Under his guidance, I'm hoping you'll come out with a newfound love for low and no alcohol beer, whether you were a beer drinker or not, and how it can become a perfect accompaniment for a meal. I'm here with Steve Livins from the British Beer and Pub Association. And some of you may not have heard last time, but he's a beer sommelier, which is a... What's it a posh word for, Steve? Uh, beer sommelier. Oh, yeah, but what does it mean? <laughs> Does it mean that you just drink loads of beer and pretend that you're really knowledgeable about it and go, yeah, yeah, this is the Torah and, you know, these are the tannins. Oh, that's wine though, isn't it? All of that. And and I can help and support people on their journey, their exciting and wonderful journey through uh, beer. How do you taste a beer? You taste a beer in the same way, really, that you would taste wine or any other drink. Now, uh, Steve, I have to admit to you that... Really, I didn't taste wine. I just shoved it down my mouth. <laughs> For some people, that might be the same with beer. So take yeah. us, like with the sophisticated connoisseurs we now are, now that we've cut down our drinking habits. So there is, uh, there are some things which you will take notice of when we taste beer. So there's obviously the colour and, uh, and, and the sort of visual characteristics of the beer. There is the aroma and the contribution that the ingredients, particularly the hops, will provide to the aroma. And then there is the, the, the taste, the flavour, and, and the, uh, the different characteristics, the different flavours we get. Uh, in the drink from the fermentation process and, and the yeast uh, and the actual production of the beer, but then the ingredients themselves, the, the malt and the, and the hops, uh, and then any other ingredients that may have been used, fruit, for instance, or herbs and spices. And then there's what we call mouthfeel or the sort of, uh, the sort of it's, the, it's the final package, if you like. It's the thing that sort of ties it all together. And often that uh, is associated with the sort of feeling of cleanliness around the taste in your mouth, whether that flavor lasts a long time, whether there's any sort of cloying characteristics if it's got a sort of creamy characteristic to it particularly with sort of beers like the uh, the sort of stouts and the porters the darker beers the heavier beers tend to have a slightly heavier sort of um, characteristic to them that last longer on on the tongue whether it feels particularly fresh and again there, there's a there is a sort of there is a sensation of freshness and liveliness in beer and all of that comes through on the mouthfeel and, and when you taste it do you sort of have to do it like this <laughs> is that is that how it's done in the in the pro pro well, world? It's, it's interesting. Uh, no, you you you. you <laughs> this wanna... is why I should never teach anyone to taste beer. So uh, yeah, there is there is a school of thought as to whether you swallow the beer or whether you spit it out. Because with wine, typically when you see wine tastings, they rinse around and you you spit the wine out. So we've always said you swallow the beer because of that mouthfeel element to it, because of that sort of final package of things, because some of the characteristics come through towards the back of the tongue anyway. In actual fact, there's a lot of science that says that isn't really important. Don't need to. But I mean, I you know, I think you swallow the beer. I think you drink and it and enjoy it. And that's the way it is. I spoke to Tom from Adnams recently, and he does say that the first swig, mm-hmm. mouthful, 
it's probably a posh word for that. The mm. first taste is all about coating your tongue ready for the second. And it's the second mouthful you have that's the one that you really taste. I think people do taste in different ways. I think that's the thing. And there are elements that people will pick up on and other elements that, that people won't. And and that, as much as anything else, is a physiological thing. So there are just certain flavors that some people pick up better than others. It's, you know, there, there are individual sort of characteristics associated with all of this. It's interesting from a, from a technical point of view, we get into the, when you're profiling beer and you taste it to sort of uh, describe the characteristics from a branding point of view or something like this. There are sort of set definitions, set certain types of flavors to look for. The really interesting stuff comes in where you take, you talk to, to people that are not technically trained to taste beer and they have to pick out certain things and they have their own language and their own sort of uh, markers, their own things they look for to associate with specific flavors. You can translate that quite nicely if you have the right kind of software and the right way of, of sort of analyzing the, the data you get. But there's quite a variety of uh, things that people will pick out when they're not trained. They just, they pick out yeah. certain types when, of flavors, certain demographics. We, we, we knew you had to get somebody in who knew more about drinks when all of the interviews I did with Jen and you see about beer, they just kept going, not too hoppy, not too malty. <laughs> and then we realized that we needed somebody with a bit more of a sophisticated knowledge of drinks for that. So would you taste alcohol-free drinks in exactly the same way as alcoholic beers? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely no difference at all. I mean, I think balance becomes more important with this. I suppose if you're, if you're looking at other drinks, the ingredient mix is, is kind of important. And for beer in particular, because we have a number of different ingredients with things like cider and wine you know you're typically talking about a single fruit or a single ingredient that contributes a certain range of flavors with beer because we have a different combination of ingredients we have the hops we have the malted barley we have the the yeast and the fermentation process the water has an impact on on what we taste and the Ooh, sorts like of things tea. we pick out very much like tea whether you have soft water or hard water mm. the reason that we modify the, the the composition of water for brewing is because certain types of beer need a certain mineral composition in the water to really influence those final flavors. So no difference at all. The balance of the flavors that you get from those ingredients is important. And for alcohol-free beer in particular, because you remove the alcohol, you remove re, you remove a large component of what you're tasting. So you have to redress that balance in some form. And the thing you're kind of looking for is balance of flavor. It's a little bit like food. You need the right combinations of, of sort of um, salt and sweet, the right combinations of, of soft and hard or crunchy. You're looking for those combinations of flavors to provide a certain degree of balance to really kind of enhance the overall characteristic of the drink. And that's very, very important when you're drinking beer because you you find that more, more than you do with other types of drink. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, they might try an alcohol-free beer, take one sip and go, oh, I don't like that. And mm. I encourage people to go back again and take a bit more time over over a drink because it's easy for us to dismiss something in a first tasting mm. but things do grow on you just like alcohol did at some point and so do give some beers a chance and do try around the range just because you if you've never liked a stout then you're not going to like an alcohol-free stout and if you've never liked a pale ale so find the beer that suits you and I've been amazed at, at, at some that actually hit my little cider receptors a little bit more than others because of the way that they're made and just just in terms of that actually that don't underestimate aroma uh, that's actually the biggest contributor to tasting is smell. That's actually hugely important. One of the really exciting ways to do this is, is the Skittle test. Uh, the Skittles? Oh, I used to stick up Skittles in my pub that right. we lived in. Okay, this is the sweets rather than the, than the, than, than the game. Uh, uh, you know, okay. The little sort of, you know. What, the sweets that you little, eat in one sitting when you've changed your drinking yeah, and you've got your sugar rush? That, those Skittles. That's All it. right. So take a Skittle, uh, hold your nose, put it in your mouth and just try and guess what flavor it is. Then release your nose 
and you will be surprised at the difference it makes. The other thing I'm really interested in is is alcohol-free wines definitely come into their own when you have them with food because apparently that's how you're meant to drink proper wine. Who knew? Who knew? And in most places, people won't be able to get wine, but the alcohol-free beers are widely available. So how might you begin to drink beer with food? We nick a lot from wine uh, at the end of the day. The principles are much the same. So uh, if you think about the food that you're eating, typically stronger foods, more flavoursome foods will pair better with darker beers because the darker beers tend to be hoppier. They tend to have bigger flavour elements associated with them, more powerful elements associated with them and things like the sort of bitter roasted flavours. And then if you're eating uh, lighter flavoured foods, then go with lighter flavor, uh, lighter coloured beers, typically sort of, you know, lagers and pilsners and this sort of thing. As I say, that's a very, very big rule of thumb. Uh, and you have to then sort of think about some other things, particularly uh, around hoppiness when it when it comes to, to the sort of final choice that you make. But that's a good starting point. And then really, for me, I quite like the complementary pairing aspect of it. So you're looking to try and pull out uh, flavours which are complementary to flavours in the dish that you're, that you're eating and, and using that as a way of, of, of finding the right beer pairing. But similarly, you can look at contrasting flavours as well. And uh, you can cut flavours which in themselves are at odds. They're sort of polar opposites in terms of those characteristics. But when they come together, they do, you know, so people often say, so pale ale goes well with spicy food. So this is one of this is one of those situations where you can look at the uh, the characteristics of the of the beer and work out whether there are contrasting or complementary uh, flavors or, or, or characteristics that that pair with the, the the dish. So in the case of something like spicy prawns, one of my favorite beer pairings, Bex Blue, which works really really well because there's a little residual sweetness. There is in general, I think, a little bit of residual sweetness with uh, with alcohol free beers anyway, and because of the freshness that we that we come across with the lagers, some of the sort of lemon citrus notes as well this really kind of elevates some of those uh, some of those flavors and it softens the the spiciness a little bit as and well. i find a stout goes well with chocolate or dessert Oh, classic combination. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't need many excuses for things to go with chocolate or dessert, to be fair. <laughs> but a stout in particular has been my, I, I never thought I'd drink a stout in my life. No, and that's where that's where we really do talk about those complementary pairings. And there you are looking for those those kind of similar characteristics, the richness, the uh, the sort of luxuriousness that you kind of associate with, with something like a, a chocolate pudding or, or something that is kind of um, rich and velvety in that sense. You know, the, these, are, these are similar characteristics that we... Uh, tend to associate with uh, with stouts but similarly things like porters uh, or even brown uh, brown ales where you have a little bit more of a caramel flavor or a little bit more a sort of creaminess uh, associated with it even those sort of burnt almost coffee chocolate type for notes that you that you tend to find in the darker beers again very complementary to those kind of flavors you find in the and food. what goes with like fish and fish and chips Fish and chips, again, nice hoppy beers. Again, something that's got more citrus to it, but something that something that's going to cut through the oiliness in particular. So fish and chips, it's quite a rich food in that sense. It's, it, it can be a little bit oily, whether that's that's because it's um, something that's been fried or because the, the fish naturally is uh, quite an oily fish anyway. Something that's got a, a nice hop content to it, you know, a pale ale or even a, a Pilsner-style beer tends to pair very, very nicely because it just kind of cuts that oiliness through a little bit. Uh, and then you get the freshness, the citrus, Notes the acidity that comes comes through from the beer that, that that then kind of lifts that that part of the food too. And would you drink it differently? Because like the thought of a pint with your meal yeah. feels very 
heavy. That's a lot of liquid, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and this comes back to the composition. The, the composition of beer is, uh, is in itself very rich. There's a lot of stuff in there. So beer, for that reason, because it's nutritionally quite dense, will be, will be quite filling. Carbonation helps that along as well. So you tend to feel a bit more full because it's a fizzy drink. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me that if you're on a diet... A beer will fill you up a bit more and you eat less. It makes you feel full. Oh, that feel, uh, feeling full, that, that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it'll... Oh, it, it, I'm, it, I'm beginning of... to like beer a little bit more now. <laughs> it, works, it works towards that sensation of being full. And, uh, and so on that basis, if you're looking to pair beer with food, you have to change your perception. This is not about really drinking beer in pints. There are, of course, situations where the environment that you're in sort of matches that sort of scenario almost and and you know that's fine and that works but typically if you're talking about dining and you've got a dinner party or you're looking to sort of stay the course if you like you've got to start looking at the volumes that you're drinking and actually you get into glassware at that point too glassware makes a massive contribution to how we taste beer so would you drink it out of a wine glass yeah potentially uh, even a, a champagne flute. So if, you, if, you, if you're looking at the, the reason that you drink champagne in a champagne flute uh, is typically because champagne is actually quite a, uh, a bland drink. It's a very biscuity Don't sort of... I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I get <laughs> shot by the wine community for this. It's quite a basic sort of flavour to it. For that reason, there's not a lot of complexity. And, and so you need to get all that flavour in the right place to really sort of build it. The flute sort of puts all the liquid in one place on your tongue. It's not like a wide glassed mouth glass where, where the liquid is sort of spread across your tongue in, in a much more even way. And that sort of thing works well with beer in, in exactly the same sense. So something like a lager, particularly a, hel- a Hellas type lager, something which is more about sort of bitter and a, a balance between the sort of cereal and the, and, the, and the hop content, something that isn't particularly hoppy. I mean, I guess, I guess that means you could also share a bottle of beer Absolutely. with the person with you rather than feeling you need to get a bottle each and then you could move beers if they were a venue that had more than one alcohol-free beer as well and on your next course. Yeah. I like the idea of sharing a bottle. Yeah, and the volume the volume part of that is, is important. So, uh, you know, you are looking at drinking smaller volumes where you're pairing with food and absolutely that sharing approach is, is then where that works very well because you can have a bottle and have a small amount which will give you that sort of opportunity to pair and, and get that sort of match going going on but not drinking too much volume that it's going to stop you from eating your food. I, I really like that because alcohol-free wine is still less available than alcohol-free beer so being able to go to a pub and, and still make it match your occasion and feel special and go with a meal. So we need to get demanding about glassware now guys so mm. order the beer but also tell them what glassware you want. I, I, this is great. And the glassware <laughs> works the same way so uh, uh, white wine glasses for lighter coloured beers and red wine glasses for darker beers so you get a slightly different I like the way shape. you've made that easy for me Steve. There you go. <laughs> it's all about ease. It's all about it's all about being relaxed. That's really helpful. So you can pair the beers with your food, you can share the bottle, you can put it in different glassware, and you can begin to find the right beers to go with food. And and I do think you you should experiment because I wasn't very enamoured of all of the alcohol free wines when I first tasted them, but everything changed when I tasted them with food. Suddenly it came into its own. And so I think food does make a real big difference to that experience. Yeah, for sure. And it, and part of this is about knowing the beers, knowing the sort of characteristics and knowing the things that, that, that you're looking for and that you like and enjoy. And, you know, the fun of this is about experimenting with those beers to find those characteristics. But it also helps you to kind of uh, work a little bit more around the nuance of, of food that you're preparing, the dishes that you're presenting, where there are those kind of complementary or contrasting characteristics for a particular beer style. Because there isn't one type of pale ale, there isn't one type of pilsner. There's, you know, there's many, and, many different forms. And actually do this at home because you 
can get one of the mix boxes from Wise Bartender and then you can have a whole range of beers and you can begin to experiment and work out what you like and then have those dinner parties where you're pairing your alcohol-free beer with your meals and impress all your mates. And then, you know, do what I do. Take your own drinks to the restaurant if they haven't got anything for you. So you can then order them in and go, oh, I'm just bringing my own drinks for me this evening. And would you mind pairing this for me? I've even had them put beers in a champagne bucket for me um, in restaurants so that I can pair my beer with my meal. Wow. <laughs> that's that's progressive. I like to embarrass everybody I go out to eat with. You take your own champagne places. bucket as well? No, no, I should do that. Just go fully, fully stop. We will leave it there. As an alcohol-free beer is one of the most accessible alcohol-free drinks wherever you go, I hope you might be able to see how sharing a bottle could be perfect for your evening out and certainly another way to support your local. They need all of our help and support and love right now. So thank you very much and cheers for now. This podcast is brought to you by Club Soda. You can find out more about what we do on joinclubsoda.com and on our social handles at joinclubsoda. Thanks for the donation of music by Lotus L. You can find more of their music on Spotify. 